when I was 25 and a half, I started a podcast. The goal? To review some of the newest and the latest movies, along with some other stuff. With the help of my guests, I was able to do this, but there were dark forces tampering with my podcast and with me. They called it an improvised podcast for some reason. I eventually found help in the form of myself. Yes, the me from a universe where the movies I reviewed got delayed. Apparently, my podcast made it to his universe. I know now that it is my duty, for the good of that universe, nay, the multiverse, to keep recapping and reviewing these movies, to hold listeners over until they could eventually see the movies as they were made in their world. For some reason, they come out differently in my world, but it's kind of entertaining that way. My name is Steven Schinder, and this is Delayed Replay. Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of Delayed Replay, that podcast where we talk movies. I'm your host, Stephen Schinder, as always, and this episode is about Godzilla vs. Kong, which came out last November. So, yeah, it came out a few months ago, but still want to talk about it. And here with me to talk about the MonsterVerse is Mr. Multiverse. How are you doing this evening or night or whatever it is over there? I'm feeling good. I'm uh, I'm really excited to talk about this movie because I think it's going to be a great juxtaposition between me and you because I'm a massive monster movie fan and you're not. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, because with the Shang-Chi one, like... I I feel like I have a good enough grasp on the Marvel movies, even if I haven't read much of the Marvel comics. But here it's like this genre is like, like there are some things about it where I don't understand some of the appeal. So this is really interesting territory. And I think we'll get some interesting viewpoints between the two of us. So it'll make like a nice contrast. I guess, yeah, let's jump right into it. Yeah, so I guess uh, before we get into the movie proper, we can go into like sort of our backgrounds. Uh, so, like, what have your experiences been with like other Godzilla and Kong media growing up? Uh, for me, it's always been like this has been like me growing up. Like, I've been with Godzilla since I was two. Uh, there's actually an interesting story where um, I was born with a blood clot in my heart. And in order to, to have surgery, I couldn't fall asleep for the heart with my down and die. Um, so my dad put on a bunch of Godzilla videos to put uh, to keep me awake until it was time for surgery. So in a way, Godzilla saved my life. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was just going to say, so Godzilla kept you alive. Yeah. And funny enough, like when I had sur another surgery when I was around seven or eight, um, I had actually watched the um my great grandmother had bought uh, uh the original Godzilla versus Kong movie and after I got a surgery I got another Godzilla film so he's just been around me since ever Nice were there like major favorites of yours that stood above the rest interview as you sort of got through the franchise like did you try watching in release order at some point or like how did you try navigating your way through some of it well, the dumb kid, you're just watching these giant monsters fight. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> but as I grew up, um, I was watching more in linear order. My favorite, of course, everyone says 54 with good reason. The original 54, 1954 Gojira is a masterpiece. And then you have um, my personal favorite outside of 54, Godzilla versus King Ghidorah, which is um, from the Heisei era. That's the eight, late 80s to the mid 90s uh films and um there's also some fun dumb stories in there like i really enjoy godzilla <laughs> vs the smog monster for being just completely insane nice yeah uh, like, like the original is an allegory right or am i like mixing that up with something no no you're right on the money um nine, uh, gojira is a allegory for the nuclear bomb because you have to keep, right. understand that movie was made less than a decade after the nuclear after hiroshima and nagasaki and how it paralleled a lot of the damage and devastation japan went through at the time is a perfect mirror of it you also have to understand that this movie came about because one of the major restrictions the japanese government put on its um, film industry was no war movies so this was um, Ishiro Honda, who was the director of the film. This was his way of getting because he was a survivor and he was also a veteran of World War II. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, yeah. E like even if like the whole giant monster thing doesn't always appeal to me, like the behind the scenes stuff of how it came about is so fascinating to me. So would you say that like Godzilla was like sort of your gateway into King Kong or did that come about like sort of? separately and then sort of combined uh, along the way well funny enough um i had known about kong but i never saw the original movie in fact i saw the 1970s movie first with uh uh oh what's his name the dude uh yeah i can't remember his name either but i know which one you're yeah. talking about it was it was the one where where they kind of made king kong more of a sympathetic character than he was in the original in that one if i remember yeah. correctly yeah and it's actually kind of funny because i didn't know it, i wasn't a dumb kid i was a dumb kid and they used to have these books in in elementary school and one of them said yes there was a book there is a movie out there of godzilla fighting king kong and i was like that was my white whale for five years like i'm i'm six years old and i'm i'm hunting a white whale of godzilla versus kong movie <laughs> uh, because I was like, oh my, and this opened the doorway to me loving crossovers so much of just seeing like who, what if this character met that character and stuff like that. It's goofy, it's stupid, but like, I can't deny that final fight between Godzilla and Kong is really fun. Um, so yeah, and, and also, you know, you also have to give respect, speaking of Kong, you have to give respect to Kong because that 1933 film was a gateway for so many, you know, artists and directors. Like a lot of people, you don't know how many people, not just Peter Jackson, but almost everyone in the in the film industry will point and go, yeah, Kong, he's the reason. The original King Kong movie is a major inspiration for a lot of modern day directors. So both of these monsters have so much cinema history behind them. Um, if you want to just look even from the original films that they're from. Yeah, so it's funny that you mentioned like elementary school books because I was just reminded that in third grade, I think it was. Um, so have you ever heard of the Captain Underpants book series? Yep, I used to read those. Yeah, those are fun. Uh, so the author of those, uh, Dave Pilkey, he also wrote a couple other books and one of them was Dogzilla and the other was Cat Kong. So... 
I think I read those in like third grade. They're like these funny picture books. And I think there were like mice going up against them while they were like wrecking the city or whatever. So I myself was aware of King Kong and Godzilla. Um, I, I'm pretty sure I'd heard uh, it's a certainty that I heard of them long before I read those books, but I didn't really watch any of those movies when I was very little, like growing up as a little kid, like the, the closest was like that Rugrats episode where they're in the toy store. And I think Reptar fights this uh, King Kong like toy. Yeah. And then they end up time traveling somehow. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's a, why is there a time machine in a toy store? That was yeah. my, even as a kid, I was like watching, I was like, how do, wait, what? Yeah, I was like, even as a kid that made, I know it's a kid show, but like, even as a child, like watching that Rugrats episode, I was like, how, what? Yeah, because Rugrats, like, there is an extent of like suspension of disbelief, you know, the babies, they break out of their playpen and go to all sorts of places. But like some of the more outrageous stuff is in their imaginations. But in this instance, it was like there's an actual time machine in the toy store. It's just wild. I mean, it, I mean, it's also funny that it's the same episode where you see toy Daleks in the aisles. Yeah, I've seen that picture. Um, oh, boy. Like, recently, uh, Paramount Plus, like, revealed a clip of this 3D animated Rugrats show that they're doing. And I don't know if you've seen this, but it, I'm kind of intrigued by it because I kind of do like the look of it, how it's basically the Rugrats characters, 3D animated. And like the animation style makes me think of like, I guess, how they would look if they were claymation, kind of like the aesthetic yeah. looks nice and the characters feel like the characters, at least as far as I could tell in that little clip. So I am curious about it. Yeah, I did see it, and I really did like it. I, I, it, it feels just like an episode. I mean, CGI aside, it felt like a re- like an ep- classic episode. The sound effects, the everything. Um, although it is sad that Chucky's VA is no longer with us, but the person they got to replace uh, replace her sounds almost dead on. Yeah. Wow, I didn't even think of that, but you're right. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm also like one of the few people who actually is nostalgic for all grown up like i actually really liked that show (laughs) thank you i love that show oh nice i'm not alone (laughs) yeah also in rugrats in paris we also got that like giant reptar like robot that the babies piloted and they used it to fight like the snail robot that the other guy drove right yeah and a vr like even again as a kid i was like what (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they have to go big for the movie, right? Like, the first movie was just a, like, they were just lost in the woods. Like, that was all right. I mean, the only suspension of disbelief was the monkeys running around the forest and the, yeah, um, (laughs) the little vehicle they rode around in. Yeah. But yeah, no, just caused billions of dollars in damage to one of the most ancient cities in, in history in giant robots. I mean, it, my dumb monk, it, my dumb human brain was like, "Yay!" But like at the same time, I was like, "This makes no sense." <laughs> yeah, and then we had, um, I guess, 
Rugrats meet wild thornberries or whatever it was called. I think it was called Rugrats Go Wild. So that was like another crossover thing. I was kind of underwhelmed by that one, but it, it is what it is, I guess. Um, but getting back to King Kong, like yeah, yes, that's oh, yes, that's why we're here. Yeah, yeah. So the first time I ever watched anything King Kong related, I'm pretty sure it was the 2005 film that Peter Jackson did. Um, I was like 11 when it came out. And I remember like a year or a year and a half before um, my dad gave me this issue of Wired magazine that had an article about the movie and how Andy Serkis was doing motion capture for it. And I was like, oh yeah, the guy put Gollum in Lord of the Rings. That's pretty cool. Um, And so uh, I remember seeing that movie, the Jack Black one, with my dad and my brother in the theater. And it, it's a really long movie, but I was, like, really invested in it. And granted, I was creeped out by the giant bugs, especially the slimy ones. I like, kind of disturbed by how they're, like, killing off all the people. But Yeah, that that um that scene with the leeches absorbing Andy yeah. Serkis. It makes my skin crawl. Yeah, that's that's the exact scene I was thinking of just now. But I mean, hey, it's Peter Jackson's horror roots, right? Like he made that movie um, in the dead. early 90s, Brain Dead. Yeah, and that even has a scene that takes place on an island that's called Skull Island, funny enough. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about gross, I mean, there's a baby zombie who bur- bursts through some poor woman's face. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, Brenda is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's hilariously bloody. Yeah. Uh, seriously, people, if you, if you have a really weak constitution, don't watch Brain Dead. Yeah, I feel like people who are fans of like the first couple Evil Dead movies would really love Brain Dead. Like, you can tell, you can see the Sam Raimi influence on that. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, so I, I think it was sometime after seeing the 2005 film that I caught some of the 1976 one on TV while visiting my grandparents on my dad's side. I, I think I caught like the end of it. Um, but I recently, well, not recently, but within the last few or several years, uh, watched the 1976 one in full and. I think it did have some pacing problems, but like I said, um, that that Jeff Bridges one, it adds more character to King Kong in my view, because uh, I watched the 30s one sometime before watching it in full, and I was like, hey, I kind of don't care about King Kong in this one. Like, it, it's impressive for its time, but I just wasn't into the original as much, if that makes sense. I get it, but you know why that there's a perfect explanation as I mean, yeah, the edit, the movie editing was not that great, but there's a reason why it has some pacing issues. Oh, yeah, Um, because uh, the studio that was making that film, um, I think it was it was Universal, right? They made the 77, the 70s movie, right? Um, Let's see. It was. Oh, it was distributed by Paramount and produced by the Dino De Laurentiis Corporation. Yeah. So, okay, for some, but yeah, Paramount and yeah, because Universal is a part of this story. Don't worry. Um, okay. <laughs> when, RKO, when RKO went under, 
the rights to King Kong were up in the air. So when they were selling off the rights to King Kong, it's someone who had to make a movie. So Paramount and Universal were the top two competitors. And essentially what had happened was Paramount got the rights first because their movie, the 70s Kong, was in more production. Like there was actually production and whatnot for it. So they got the rights. And that's why that movie was so rushed because they were like, we got to get the movie rights. Oh, nice. <laughs> and it was like, yeah. you got to be universal. And technically, because I could, I would need a, a list of lawyers to explain the who owns what to King Kong because the Kong rights, while they're technically air quote public domain, it's, uh, it's uh, hard to say because... In case you haven't noticed, there's like three different Kongs um, by three different studios. Um, but they're all like like how you've noticed how Paramount has one Kong. Warner Brothers now has a Kong with Monsterverse Kong and Universal has the Peter Jackson one. Um, the movie rights for the character of Kong, while they are air quote public domain, it's way more difficult to describe. Because I would, I would need a grand jury to explain it. Okay, it sounds to me, it sounds similar to the case of the Wizard of Oz adaptations. Because I, I think some of those are in, like the original story is in public domain. But with MGM, you know, made the classic 1939 film, there are certain things that other studios can't use, like the... I think the ruby slippers are one of them. Uh, in the original story, it's the silver slippers, but the MGM one like made those iconic ruby slippers a thing. And there are other weird things like the shade of green that the witch is. Like they had to use a different shade of green when Dizzy made Oz the Great and Powerful, which looks like it's trying to be a prequel to that movie, but officially they can't say that it is because it's different company. But you can see what they're going for um also another evil dead tie-in sam raimi directed that one and it feels like a blatant remake of army of darkness his third evil dead movie to me it it does when you really think about it um yeah i am so ready for him to doctor strange um, yeah i, I mean uh, i mean mul multiverse is your last name so you gotta look forward to multiverse of madness well, I'm just hoping for a Bruce Campbell cameo uh, for in Doctor Strange. Oh, yeah, it's uh, got to happen. Um, it's weird. I actually, like, just watched a movie called Congo. Um, Kong that oh, Conga. Conga. Oh, boy, that movie. Yeah, Bruce Campbell It has some screen time in that, like, at the beginning. So it's kind of a weird tie-in. Yeah. Well, there's Congo and then there's Conga. Conga was a movie in the 50s that was a blatant Kong ripoff um, from a British studio. And that movie hadn't seen the light. It didn't got sued almost into oblivion. It's only now we're seeing it more on like stream lights. Oh, OK. I was talking about Congo uh, from 1995. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. But bottom line, like the rights to Kong. Oh. That's a that will give you off uh, that will make your head spin, man. Yeah. Also, I just recently watched the new episodes of this cartoon on HBO Max called Close Enough. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but it's from the creator of Regular Show. And yeah, I've been 
I've actually got HBO at max now, so now I'm catching up with the show. Oh, nice. Yeah, there's um, there's a part where the daughter is, is like, Dad, we watched this really old movie at school called King Kong, and it had Jack Black in it. And like that just made me feel so old hearing her say that. It, that that was like an emo- that was like a metaphysical kick in the dick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like ah. <laughs> it start it started to get to the point where it's like 2006 is going to be back in my day. Yeah, like back in my day, we went up to the third Saw movie. I don't know. I I, I was trying to think 2006 stuff, and the first thing that came up was Saw 3. I don't know why. Back in my day, Halo 3 was where boys became men. (laughs) No, like, that's the thing. Like, if you had beef online, you settled it in Halo. Right, but uh, I mean, getting back to, like, just the genre of kaiju movies in general. Why do you think people love kaiju movies so much? I think a lot of, well, some people will tell you, oh, it talks about the deep evils of man and how we're the real monsters. And I'm like, get the <laughs> f- out of here. Um, <laughs> I, I respect I respect that it's a it's an art. It's a very hard art, especially for suit actors and whatnot. But here's the thing. People just like to watch monsters shoot, kill each other. That's, that's this is the pull, this is the real reason. I'm sorry to say that the the bait your your hard there are hardcore kaiju fans who really acknowledge that this is a genre that can have great effect, be a great commentary on mankind. But for the general public, you just want to see monsters blow shit up. Okay, so yeah, then I'm not on the wrong track for thinking that like some of these movies just are there for people to just watch action they don't have to think about, I I guess. Like I don't know how else to describe it. Like like they don't always feel thought-provoking to me at least the few that i've seen like to me it's like they're kind of just there i guess this also kind of ties into the question of like why do people love versus movies and like for me it seems kind of hit and miss depending on the execution but i I do think you're kind of right that like overall people just want to see like who will win and like what attacks will they use on each other? And it's just, it's kind of dumb, but it's a, a form of entertainment, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's, it's the other thing is, um, and I'll get, we'll get into the movie, but it's nice to actually have a movie where we have a definitive winner. I know people are like, Oh, but we let people draw. Cause it will let the other fans down. I'm like, it's a fight. Right. <laughs> you can stop until the fight is over. That's my thing is that, um, there are some versus movies, and if you do a versus movie, and I'm speaking of comics, where you can do a crossover, and it can have a deep meaning to it and be very sweet and kind, but nine times out of ten, it's more like, eh, let's have a meet. <laughs> like, I just finished reading the um, Transformers versus Terminator comic, and it's it's just fun summer popcorn stuff. Um, it doesn't try to be deep and meaningful. It doesn't try to be... It knows what it is and goes on its merry way. Now, you will have, funny enough, there is the Kong Planet of the Apes crossover, which does have some deep meaning to it. Um, and it's very character-driven. But at the same time, like, not every team-up or versus has to be like that. And I fully acknowledge that. This movie, thankfully, does do a fun versus, but it also has some character to it. So it's kind of like you're, you have your cake and eat it, too. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like... 
you can have your cake and also the chili pepper on the top. Like, you just get it all. Um, yeah. <laughs> you mentioned comic books, and in these recent MonsterVerse movies, there have been comic book tie-ins. Um, we've had Godzilla, the 2014 film. There's Godzilla Awakening, which is like the prequel to the 2014 film. And then we got Kong Skull Island, which then got a sequel slash prequel called Skull Island Birth of Kong. And then we got uh, Godzilla Aftershock, which bridged the gap between Godzilla and Godzilla King of the Monsters, kind of. I've, I think it was closer to King of the Monsters, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. the monsters. Yeah, it was kind of a quick read, and I, like, forgot some of it, other than the fact that the way that the creatures are drawn look really cool. And, like, dare I say, the creatures look better in those comics than in the film, to my eyes, for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah. And then we've got Kingdom Kong and Godzilla Dominion. Yeah, like, those prequel comics uh, to Godzilla versus Kong, which add some context and i really like the titles of these um because king kingdom kong sounds like kingdom come obviously like that's the intention i guess uh although i guess godzilla dominion is kind of funny because we also got jurassic world dominion coming up um, yeah it's a better title because i felt like aftershock and awakening were just like these are lazy right yeah they were kind of doing it, it kind of felt like they were doing a pattern um like Godzilla and then A words, which I kind of liked, but I'm like fine with like Dominion. It's just funny, like the idea of seeing, like seeing Godzilla's perspective and like just chilling or whatever in this lead up to the movie. And then Kingdom Kong, obviously, like people face him and like there's all this chaos and whatnot. But like both of these like build up to this movie um but like, like overall what have your, been your impressions of like comic book tie-ins like these do you think that they add something or are they just kind of there for me they're just kind of there although i do like birth of kong i felt like that had some great story to it um especially dealing with Kong's origin awakening and aftershock were all right it's more like but the the main villains are pretty unimaginative like the muto prime and some kind of eel like there wasn't a lot of thought process for either of the villain of the enemy kaiju in there and the stories just kind of felt like hey get ready to watch 2014 or or king of the monsters yeah i do agree that birth of kong felt more compelling than the like the others because i think for me it just comes back to that scene where we see king kong as a baby and like the tragedy that befell him and uh like there's this really beautiful and like heartbreaking quote that one of the characters says one of the characters said he wept although there was no one to hear him but still he wept even without context like that could just apply to a person who's face some struggles and they have like no one around them to be there for them like as they weep about what has befallen them so yeah. I, I really enjoyed that one um more so than the others but like what have been your thoughts on the movies leading up to godzilla versus kong overall 
Um, they've been all right. I think my personal favorite still is Kong Skull Island. Um, speaking as a Godzilla fan, yeah. Um, not to say I, I haven't liked the Godzilla films, but at the same time, like, I feel like there, there was something like looking back, there was something lacking with Godzilla 2014. King of the Monsters was really great. Uh, was good, was really good. Um, but for some reason, I just come, keep coming back to Kong Skull Island um, of just how like it's shot and how like the story plays out. But on a whole, these movies know what they are and don't pretend to be anything like deeper. King of the Monsters does try to be like try to play the whole. And, and I'm not saying human stories are bad in a in a mo- giant monster movie. You need the human care. You need to care about the human characters or. It's just going to be like, you're just watching a Michael Bay movie. I'm sorry. <laughs> but this one, like the King of the Monsters cast is just like, it tries a little too hard. And it sucks too, because Michael Dotery is really good at characters. Um, if you watch, like, especially interpersonal family relationships, especially if you watch Krampus. Oh, yeah. Um, I vaguely remember seeing Krampus a while ago. Yeah. So that, you know... It's a it played off a little too hard, but yeah, I feel like in Godzilla versus Kong though the fam- the human stuff like is handled better for some reason. Like they know that this is a monster story, but at the same time, you it's the characters that everyone just cares about, and you care about them enough and how their character arcs enough just to be like, okay, the, these guys aren't intolerable. Yeah, because for me, in order for me to be invested in movies like these like i i want like to care about the characters um and i know that's funny uh coming from someone who like also been a fan of like slasher movies which are notorious for not having that many deep characters but yeah like watching godzilla 2014 and kong skull island felt like kind of a slog for me um, like the effects are great, but narrative wise, they feel like a slog for me to get through. I, I did think it was kind of funny that 2014 had Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, but as husband and wife, which was kind of weird. And then Skull Island had uh, Samuel Jackson, Tom Hiddleston and Brie Larson, like three actors who played prominent Marvel characters and I think this was even before Jackson and Larson were in this other movie called a unicorn store together, which was actually a pretty fun movie. Um, but King of the monsters I felt was like an improvement on the human side. Cause like, I do kind of see what you mean about them trying maybe a little too hard, but I do like that. It asks this question of like, is it worth unleashing all these like unleashing a monster if it means preventing global catastrophe even if it means like having to wipe a city out and like i don't have like lots of people will debate the answer to that and that's what's fun like that people will have these different arguments over it like it's something that's kind of thought provoking um but yeah also Am I alone in thinking that Elizabeth Olsen and uh, what's her name? Um, the mom from Bates Motel, who's in Godzilla King of the Monsters. Yeah, I know who you're about. Yeah, it's Vera Farmiga. Like, am I alone in thinking that they have similar facial features? Because when she showed up in the beginning of 
King of the Monsters, I thought to myself, oh, okay, they're picking up with Elizabeth Olsen because I just glanced and then I looked again and was like, wait a minute. And what, like, am I the only one who thinks they look kind of similar? Yeah. It's also funny that the girl who plays, I mean, excuse me, the man who was in King of the Monsters, the dad, I'm forgetting the actor's name, he was in the Peter Jackson Kong movie. So now he's in another Kong movie. Oh, I didn't realize that. But yeah, he played the actor. Um, that asshole actor in Kong oh, in the 06 Kong movie. Oh, yeah, the 05 one. Um, yeah, 05, yeah. Oh, uh, did that reminds me, did you ever see the Asylum ripoff of that? Um, it was called King of the Lost World. It was like loosely based on the Lost World novel, but included like a giant ape that's blatantly supposed to look like King Kong. Yep. Yeah, that was... Yeah, it, that was tough to sit through for me. Me and some friends from the Sci-Fi and Horror Society uh, watched another Asylum film called Snakes on the Train, and it was, like, really bad. But I also watched A Princess of Mars, and while it's not as faithful to, like, the original book, it does carry over some of the interesting ideas of it, even if it is modernized and has a low budget setting. So like, I guess like asylum stuff does have its hits and misses, so to speak. Like they're not big hits, but like they can be fun to watch sometimes. Um, so I don't know. I might check out more of those. Yeah. Um, but getting back to Godzilla versus Kong, what'd you think of how they introduced Gia and like her connection to Kong. I I liked it. It's nice to have a you know it was kind of uh, sweet and it was it was kind of uh it was a little I felt like it was a little forced to try to tie it in with Skull Island saying like she was related to one of the um like loosely related to one of the soldiers. Uh, yeah, I think they were trying to say like he she's she was distantly related to one of Tom Hiddleston's characters. And I'm like, how does that work? Did he, did he and Brie Larson's character go back or did he bang one of the Iwi when no one was looking? Right. Yeah. It's something that's not really fleshed out that much, but like she like Kong becomes an orphan. And I guess that's why they like form this kinship together. And like Kong feels a need to protect her. So like, she kind of becomes like this anchor for him, like this, like his new purpose, which I thought was interesting because we're so used to like the love interest thing that floats around. Um, but like here, it's like he's trying to protect uh, this orphan, like he sees himself in her kind of, which made the comic uh, Birth of Kong like really worth reading. Like it kind of enhanced that a bit for me. Absolutely. Um it's it's a very touching sub it's a very touching scene especially when they're like really like just them and how kong interacts with the girl it's um it's really heartbreaking because you because it feels like they even say like in the movie um kong knows she's alone and that's like and it, and like they ask like how does kong know she she's alone and he's like or and they're like our orphans know and i'm like oh I mean, I'm sure that sparked some outcry, but yeah, like if it's weird because like they're not able to like speak a common language, but it's like they know somehow. And 
it's it's weird like it reminds me of the recent pun of the apes movies like they use sign language and are still and are able to like convey like what they're feeling and it, they're just well written and so i saw shades of that uh in in this like in how kong was portrayed here which i really appreciated yeah um i also like how like they've they've shown that after the events of skull island he's been trapped on skull island and like he likes staying there but at the same time he knows like i'm in a i'm on house arrest <laughs> yeah like like he has to like stay at home and is not able to like leave or whatever it's weird yeah um i do like that cut opening scene where it cuts to like of king of the monsters or that scene where Ghidorah is calling the other monsters and kong hears it and it just like upsets him because that was actually referenced in the uh, King of the Monsters novel, actually, um, where they actually refer to Kong that he did hear Ghidorah's cry, but he was like, I don't care. I don't want them to come here. And if they do, I'm going to beat the shit out of them. So it was, nice, <laughs> it was a nice little nod to the book. So is that like the novelization of the film or is this like a different book with the same title? Oh, novelization of King of the Monsters. Okay. Um it's easy, like, this is not like the MCU, where this, it's only four films, a handful of comics, and, and a few novels. That's about it, and that's easier to connect with. So it was a nice little dig for that. I especially really like, um, like, again, going back to, like, Kong does, like, throw stuff at the barriers that are holding him in Skull Island. Like, he, yeah. like, he doesn't want to leave, but, like, at the same time, he's like, if I do, I want to get out. <laughs> like, <laughs> um... I also like how like it all the start of the movie is like it is Kong trying to like just enjoy himself and kill some skull crawlers. Like they show this one of the larger skull crawlers in the film and you just see Kong's foot just go back. <laughs> yeah, just, it's it's like a day in the life sort of thing for him. <laughs> and then he hears Godzilla's roar and he just starts freaking out like um and they're like, oh, what's happening? And and they radio in like, oh, uh, Godzilla just killed Ghidorah. He's the new alpha. And they're like, oh, well, I guess I know we know what's pissing Kong off. Yeah. And so we get Alexander Skarsgård's character, um, who's a geologist. Uh, his name is Nathan Lind. And so he kind of puts together a team that uh, brings Kong on the boat and we also get Eileen Andrews who's now like trying to protect Gia and she kind of compares that to how Kong was protecting her and so we're slowly getting these relationships between the human characters um, but of course like this boat ends up in the spot where uh, Godzilla is and that's when the titans start to go at it yeah um i guess we'll talk more about godzilla in a moment but this first fight was definitely worth it because i was afraid he was going to do like shaky cam and jump cuts no this is exactly like the same kind of filming they did for skull island where you clearly see the monster fights it's clear as day there's no like shaky cam no no jump cuts there is one but i was like it's forgivable it was quick and forgivable but and the other thing and they i think they took this from pacific rim like you feel the punches like there's actual like weight, especially like when Kong does that first punch to Godzilla. Um, like there's weight to these monsters and their hits. Yeah, because he doesn't just do it like 
in a super quick motion you he does it like he pulls it back slowly and then moves it forward in a way where you see the momentum of it and it feels real um and, and it's funny that you mentioned shaky cam because uh while i do really like cloverfield um I do think it's not easy to watch again after that first viewing. Like it becomes obsolete because it's like, oh, do I have to watch the shaky cam stuff again? Like, like it hasn't, it doesn't have as much rewatch value as like uh, it, its follow up or uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane, which itself wasn't a monster movie, but was a really good like psychological thriller. Yeah fight itself is really um is just brutal it's slow moving and also i like how they show hey there was a whole fleet here it's gone now <laughs> yeah <laughs> like 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 kong doesn't care like he only cares about you know he only cares about the girl but like everyone else get the f out of the way <laughs> <laughs> um that was my my big thing was like are they gonna play it safe like no kong Kong and Godzilla are going to destroy each other and they're not going to care who's in the way. It's interesting to note that even though Kong is clearly out of his element, they still say like, hey, he can still put up a fight. <laughs> um, I like how they they really and they kind of played with this in Kong Skull Island, where we know that Kong isn't going to be able to just brute strength his way against Godzilla. He's got to think. So I like how they implement a lot of like Kong's like ingenuity in in this fight like oh okay he's underwater and he grabs like a piece of metal and starts using it to like breathe when he figures out oh i can breathe through this yeah like he's very crafty which i mean you can't just have two opponents who are exactly the same like they each have their own strengths and their own weaknesses which makes things interesting i suppose yeah but Godzilla does win that fight and, and Kong has to flee, which is, again, like it's a reference to the original movie where Godzilla handed Kong's ass and he just left. Yeah. And, and so while this is all going on, Millie Bobby Brown's character from King of the Monsters, uh, Madison, she's like investigating Godzilla's or like she thinks that there's something causing his erratic behavior and she suspects that the Apex Corporation has something to do with it. Um, and she has a friend named Josh Valentine is like helping her out with this investigation. Uh, what'd you think of her character like in this movie? I liked it. I do. Um, I do think it was a little more like, Hey, we have Millie Bobby, Bobby Brown. Let's get that stranger things money. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, but no, definitely. I think like they, they gave her a very nice story, even though like you find out that it Godzilla is not being driven. Like people are wondering what's causing aggravating Godzilla. Is it Godzilla? Like who's causing Godzilla to be mad? Nope. Godzilla's just doing this of his own volition. He's literally going, okay, the human race had their chance. I'm just, I'm a scorched earth, this shit. And Millie Bobby Brown's character is just heartbroken by this because the whole time she's just been inwardly punishing herself for not being able to save her mom in the last movie. So she thinks if she can, if she can, um say like oh godzilla you know madison basically says if god godzilla isn't to blame just like my mom wasn't to blame for all those monsters so she's projecting like godzilla thinking she's being godzilla's being framed like her mom intention un, you know she's trying to cover up the fact that hey godzilla's not doing is 
someone is t- doing this to Godzilla. He's not doing this of his own volition. And it's more like, I don't want it to be real that Godzilla's doing this for himself. And just like how my mom slaughtered so many people and died for nothing. Yeah. Does that make like, any sense? Yeah, I, I get you. Like in King of the Monsters, it was such a strange moment for me seeing like Madison, like like toward the end when Godzilla seems like he's being defeated and they need him to like take care of the other stuff. And then he comes back up again and she turns around, sees him and smiles as if she's like rooting for him. Like that was such a weird moment to see. But yeah, the investigation that she and Josh do, and they also get the help of a former apex technician named Bernie Hayes. And like, it it feels realistic seeing them, or seeing her get heartbroken over the revelation and it makes her whole investigation feel kind of obsolete. Like she feels like it went nowhere and that all the work trying to solve this was for nothing. But I mean, ultimately, like even if the investigation was kind of obsolete, it was really cool seeing how she's become more independent. Like she's, grown more from her experiences with all this it also like again this is clearly because adam wingard the director of this movie said that the original godzilla versus kong was his one of his favorite godzilla films and he's really playing into that because godzilla is the villain in here (laughs) Um, because and i don't mind that as a godzilla fan i don't mind godzilla being the bad guy he was the bad guy in his first movie he was the bad guy for a good chunk of his own movies. Um, he wasn't even a good guy until Ghidorah, the three-headed monster. And even then he was like anti-hero. And then he slowly shifted into hero and he's, he's bounced back from hero and villain. So to have him play the main villain, that's good. Um, I know there's a third monster in here and we'll get to him in a moment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> having Godzilla as the main antagonist works and having apex in here, like you think they're going to be like, they do play a hand in making the third monster in here but apex in here is more like no gods we're not doing anything to godzilla he's doing it himself he like it's almost like they like they basically say sarazawa was an idiot for trying to bring him back because all he did was justify godzilla's anger towards us because it because they clearly say like maybe godzilla turned on us the moment we dropped a oxygen destroyer on him (laughs) um so I like that. I like how because Godzilla is intelligent. He is an intelligent creature. So he would he would definitely be like it'd be like one of those telltale games. It'd be like Godzilla will remember that. Yeah. Like, like you mentioned the whole thing of how like the monsters might be kind of the good guy or the bad guy. Dep- it kind of depends on the story. Right. Like with some versus movies like um, Freddy versus Jason, they kind of made Jason the anti-hero of against freddy like making freddy the main villain and in the first alien versus predator movie they made like the predator the anti-hero against the xenomorph so sometimes it feels like there's this obligation to make one of the two uh, monsters like the hero against like the one that's a villain even if it may have been like an anti-hero before it's kind of like that boba fett thing where like boba fett is whatever the writers want him to be right yeah um and it makes sense to make kong the hero um he's intelligent he's you know he clearly cares about humanity um 
whereas Godzilla is kind of indifferent. So I was totally fine with them. Even from the first trailer, I was like, from the get go, I was like, so Kong's the hero. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I didn't mind that. And again, it really plays into Godzilla. Don't give a shit. Also, as a Godzilla fan, it's nice to see Godzilla kill people indiscriminately. <laughs> like, I know that sounds really cold, but like, it's so nice to see Godzilla kill people in here. Like, it is nice to see him just carpet, just carpet the whole area of soldiers in atomic breath. And a lot of people were in the trailers were saying, oh, it's not Godzilla, it's Mechagodzilla in disguise. And then I watched the movie with the biggest smile, I'm at like, biggest shitting grin on my face thinking, is it Mechagodzilla? <laughs> Is it Mechagodzilla? Oh, I called it from the get-go. I called it the like the the moment they like it was leaked by the toys way back before the movie came out. When they revealed Mechagodzilla, I was like, oh, so Ghidorah is just going to be the Ghidorah head is going to be inside, like piloting the Mechagodzilla body. Like they're using it, its brain to like pilot it. So I was like, called it right from the get. Like the moment like Kong takes like a piece of building and just smashes it over Mechagodzilla's face, cracks it open, and you see Ghidorah's like dragon eye point peeking out. I was like, yep, that's I knew it. I was really impressed by it because Mechagodzilla I feel like they were able to make it work. Like they were able to modernize the idea in a way that fits this. Like I, I feel like it's not um like, it definitely doesn't look 100% real to me, but, I mean, these I feel like these movies aren't always trying to do that. But, like, with what they had, I was really impressed with how Mechagodzilla looked. But what did you think? I liked it. Um, I, I still think my personal favorite of the American Mechagodzillas of the two is Ready Player One. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's a really good design. Um, this one, it's like, a, I, it looks too much like an iguana, and the hands just feel weird. But I like how they, like, use, the hands made sense, especially, like, they could change weapons. I was like, okay, the hands can morph into different weapons, kind of like, and they it actually had finger missiles, like the 60s Mechagodzilla. I was like, okay, I forgive it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... It was a good, I think it was, they just needed someone for Kong and Godzilla to team up against, even though in the long run that didn't help. Um, it was like Godzilla and Kong were just like, I'll kill you in a minute. Let's team up against that guy. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it was like this team up moment. Um, but like they knew that once they were done with that, they had to like face each other again. Like I feel like there are a bunch of stories that do that where it's like we're fighting each other, but then we get, they get a common enemy and then like that becomes the thing for like the middle portion of the story. And then it's back to like the original too. Kind of like how in the Frieza saga where Goku and Vegeta, like buried the hatchet for a quick second to fight Frieza. Oh yeah. I'm not super familiar with Dragon Ball as much as my brother is. Um, but one of the funny things about Dragon Ball that I remember someone telling me is, Oh, well, so one time me and my brother were like visiting our friend and he pulled up Netflix and he was about to watch Dragon Ball GT. And I was like, what does the GT stand for? And he looks at me and he's like, who cares? And then we <laughs> both laughed. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> um, so Mechagodzilla was a neat threat. Um, 
I, but I feel like his appearance was like a little too much, like kind of like doomsday where he just showed up just because we wanted to see him in, in the movie. Like he just needed to be something for the two characters to fight again, like doomsday in, in Batman V Superman. Um, yeah. Yeah. The moment that like, like before Batman versus Superman came out, like the moment that doomsday showed up in one of those trailers, like that was a moment of wait, they're doing that. And it was like a sign of, for me and a bunch of other people that like, oh, this movie's gonna not gonna be it's probably gonna be bad. You know? Yeah. I will admit that it, it is handled a little better where Mechagodzilla is meant because he's created by Apex and Ren Sarazawa, Sarazawa's son. And he the whole time while he's building the monster is like, um, my father had good intentions, but like he put the monsters over humanity because he thought that we could learn from the monsters, but no, the mo- it's very, and I, and he's even like, and yeah, I, I even, I tried to follow father's footsteps, but it's so clear that the monsters don't care about us. So we need our own way of protection. So that's why he builds it. And he thinks like putting Ghidorah's severed head into Mechagodzilla would help him better control it. He didn't, but I love how he didn't consider Oh, Ghidorah's still like sentient in there. I thought he was brain dead. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah, no, like, like like brain dead, the Peter Jackson movie. <laughs> yeah. So like they like his whole thinking was he needed to run Ghidorah's synapses fr- through like he wanted to run Mecha Godzilla like faster. I guess like that was the conceit. Which was like, all right, you just wanted to have that cool reveal of of Ghidorah inside Mechagodzilla, and he didn't care how it was done. All right, I get it, movie. <laughs> yeah, and, and to be fair, it does... Uh, well, I don't know if this makes a huge difference, but it does happen much earlier than the Doomsday appearance does. Like, Doomsday was toward the end of the movie, and this was more like around the halfway mark so i felt like there was more time to breathe and to deal with it if that makes sense yeah like they were hyping him up and you know building into like and ren sarazawa is a neat human villain he's he's not even really a villain he's just a guy who's like we're gonna get wiped out if we don't do anything like godzilla don't give a shit about us what do we do so i like that i like a little more complex human villain in here um again i shouldn't say villain because he's just he's just a dude who's like he's sorry that his father died and he's not angry about it. it's more like i'm i tried i tried really hard to coexist with them but godzilla's made it very clear he doesn't want to coexist so we got to protect ourselves and i'm like that's fair yeah like i said earlier i do feel like the human characters have gotten progressively better throughout this particular film series uh so uh, i mean that's uh, i think it's really refreshing um especially with my relation with this particular genre and you know when you compare it to like the dc eu like the pacing is kind of similar like well maybe with dc eu it was faster because it went from man of steel straight to batman versus superman and then like two more movies and then justice league but this is like the fourth movie of this particular monster verse so like if you're just looking at the number of movies it seems kind of quick but like they do take time to get through and when you, when you think about it it took like um 
six and it was like six and a half years between Godzilla 2014 and this one. So like there's a better payoff, you know, like I guess King of the Monsters was more like Batman versus Superman and how it was like opening up the world a bit more. Uh, and say, like I would say King of the Monsters is more like Iron Man 2. Right. Like, like not in terms of, like, I'm not saying it's like BVS in terms of quality, but it's kind of like the attempt to bring out more of these, like, big, like, villain slash monster type of things, like, fleshing out the world more. And, like, Kong Skull Island, like, like it was really good that they did a Kong, like, they gave Kong his own movie before, like, all of this, because, you know, the, the criticisms with, bvs was like maybe batman should have had his own movie before bvs and superman should have like i still firmly believe superman should have gotten his own trilogy because like that might have been handled better but i don't know where i'm going with this but point is like i feel like the payoff for this monster verse was refreshingly well done if that makes sense yeah I will say one gripe, another gripe I have with this, just one, and this is just for the MonsterVerse on a whole, just once, if we continue yeah. with these movies, I wanted Godzilla to go to Japan. Just once. He never, in none of them, and you may be saying, oh, but what about Godzilla 2014? He didn't make landfall in, in Japan. It was Hawaii. And, like, that drives me insane. Like, Godzilla, you should be, just once, just once, I want him to go to Japan. Um, just wanted him once to go to Japan, but we ain't getting that. And we'll get to that in a moment. Right. <laughs> Do you want to talk about like Kong in the in the um in the Hollow Earth? Yeah, we could talk about that. Yeah. So Kong in the Hollow Earth, because they built this up in Skull Island, and then they talked about um they touched on it a little in King of the Monsters, but it was cool to see like Kong, like after his first fight with Godzilla, he thought he was chasing after Godzilla, found his way to the Hollow Earth, and like he's following around because he never knew like he never knew his parents and all that. But he like as he's going around this this very beautiful world, you see him like through his eyes um, learning about the rivalry between him, his race and Godzilla's as well as like the family he never knew. Yeah, it, it really adds more perspective because I mean, Kong has been long without his own family, so it's been tough for him to find like his own kinship which is why i guess he kind of formed a connection with gia and then we get like this sequence that you mentioned yeah um i also like all the monsters they showed in here like the the warbats which were called also like originally they were called the nazuki the warbats are really fun those flying cobras um it was nice to see like kong take on mini bosses um i even like the little nod to gamera in here like um just a little nod like um, the sculpture of him in the background. I was like, ah, <laughs> he hasn't gotten a yeah. movie since since two thousand uh, since two thousand seven. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. two thousand four. Excuse me. Yeah, he hasn't gotten a movie since two thousand four. But we gave him a statue. <laughs> yeah, and he also fights like a giant scorpion, and it it reminded me of um, well, two things came to mind. Like in my head, I thought Scorpion Kong, like you know, Scorpion King, the Rock's character. Um, okay. and it, that's a stretch and it also reminded me of like the spider monkey from spy kids to island of lost dreams or whatever it was called 
Again, just, a stretch, but I again, that's a stretch, but I'll go with it. Like, like just thinking of the two and like imagining if they were combined, like it kind of reminded me of that. Yeah, I do like um, the scene where one of the war bats like coils around Kong and like he's trying to force the jaw open. I'm like, oh, that's a reference to the 70s movie. That reminds me, there is a moment in the movie where King Kong tries shoving a tree down Godzilla's throat. And I've seen a gif of this. Like, this happens in one of the older movies, right? Like, yeah, in the original Godzilla versus Kong, he shoves a th- tree down his mouth. And I'm not going to lie, I cheered when I saw that moment where God's, where <laughs> Kong, like, jams it down his throat and Godzilla's like, <laughs> like, and he, like, shoots a small blast of fire, burns Kong's hand, and Kong is just like, okay, that was dumb. <laughs> it's like that scene in Predator where... <laughs> Um, Arnold b- tries to break a branch over the predator's head and it just breaks. He's like, bad idea. <laughs> yeah, and of course this spawned uh, some memes of people like sharing that image with the caption, eat your broccoli and whatnot. So that yeah. was funny. Yeah, I do also like how when Kong finds like the, the there's a whole battlefield in the hollow earth of his like bones of his people, of his race and Godzilla's race, just a whole battlefield. Um, yeah, fun. like it shows that like their races have been going at it for a long, long time. And it's like you can see in Kong's eyes how chilled he is, like it, like he's noticeably frightened seeing the bones of his own people and that there's like this never ending fight. And it's almost like there's this existential dread within him that you can sense where it's like, um man we have to like do this like all the time for all eternity yeah but i do like when like you see like kong's visibly shaken and then he's sad when he sees like a small baby like skeleton in between its parents he's like yeah that was so sad (laughs) like kong like collapses to his knees and he's just like oh my god it's me Yeah, oh. it's it's like that moment in Ice Age when uh, Manny sees that cave painting. Like, like it's it's very tragic. Like, and I felt what like Kong feels very real here. Like, you can feel his emotions, and it's just so good. Yeah, he and the other thing is like he doesn't roar. He doesn't like make any sound. He's just like you can see he's just destroyed by his facial expressions alone. Yeah, like we've come a long way in like cinema that depicts apes in general like the recent planet of the apes movies were like so innovative with like their commitment to the cgi and making us feel for them and so it like we've kind of gone back and forth with like king kong and like those apes and it's like yeah like these are like staples of ape cinema and they've helped to evolve how human they can feel in these types of movies absolutely um I also like that moment where right after that, he like Kong has that resolve to like, all right, now I'm going to take the fight to him. And he takes the, like one of the bones and dorsal fin of a Godzilla corpse and just makes that ax. And he's just like, this will get him. And I love that scene where he takes that second fight between Kong and Godzilla, where Godzilla sees the ax. And he's like, he has this visible expression of you mother. Oh, you desecrated my people. Yeah, the the axe kind of looks like a a halberd in some angles. It's really cool. Like, like they go at it in this. He's basically going medieval on his ass, so to speak. 
Yeah, and I like how like Kong when he uses the axe to protect himself the first time, like the atomic breath absorbs it. Oh, that's neat. <laughs> and, like he didn't even think about that. He's like, oh, I know what I'm gonna do. <laughs> yeah. I do admit that, like, during all this fighting, I was kind of distracted by the giant Dr. Pepper billboard in the background. But I did think it was kind of funny when uh, Kong picked that billboard up and tried using it as a shield uh, and, like, even use it to, like, bash Godzilla's face every now and then. Yeah, I guarantee you that was a reference because in the American cut of Godzilla 1985, basically had to get endorsements and the only person who would endorse him is dr pepper so i guarantee you that was a reference to return of godzilla oh uh, nice i um, didn't realize that yeah um i also like the moment where kong like grabs like a giant dr pepper can mert thing and just throws it at godzilla's head and it just bounce because it's pa- it's just paper and all that and he just bounces off his head and he's like uh-oh <laughs> like i thought that would he's like kong's like uh-oh i need to rethink take my plan here (laughs) but yeah so do you want to talk about the uh the ending so i i thought the music was really great during this ending sequence and it's like as they're fighting you're not 100 sure like who's gonna win like it feels like it could be either opponents it could be in either opponent's favor um but then we get the outcome And, and like what was your reaction like when this happened I was like, I'm not gonna be, I'm not gonna lie. I was like, I knew this was gonna happen, but at the same time, when it happened, I was like, oh, we went there. <laughs> Kong kills Godzilla, and I'm like, oh my, um, they did it because. But at the same time, I'm like, I was expecting that because they were not, Warner Brothers could only hold on to the Toho to Toho's rights for so long, so I kind of expected that. But I didn't ex- like when you see it. It's like holy. It's still like holy crap. Yeah, like, and you see, like, the blood, like, spewing out of his mouth, and it creates, like, a bit of a flood. So, like, even in Godzilla's death, there's still a bit of a disaster, and people still have to evacuate and whatnot. Yeah, um, and he, he's, like, yeah. gagging. He's, like, gagging, and his eyes are flaring. His spines are flaring. It's a painful death. Um, And Kong's, like, jamming his, his the what's left of his axe into Godzilla's stomach, like, deeper and deeper. And I'm like, and he's just twisting it and Kong's just roaring in his face. And, and I'm like, damn, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's like so visceral. Like, uh, it's, you can tell that he's doing it for all of his people. Like, not, and I guess the humans as well. Like, like the, the human characters are kind of funny in this at certain moments. Like, there's a moment where, like, while they're fighting, there's this store called Cost Mart, which I guess is a, costco knockoff and one of the characters there uh her name is maya simmons is like shown there throughout the movie like super worried that they might step on her store and like she decides to like run away from it like when they when it's clear that they are gonna step on it um but yeah like when like just seeing kong's raw emotions like once he's defeated godzilla and seeing like the fires that result from that it's like it i guess for him it's a cathartic moment and you feel it in the emotion like of like the cgi expressions and of the music which 
just feels very elegant and like how all the humans just watch in awe and amazement both in person and on like tv screens yeah like it's it's almost like watching it's almost like watching muhammad ali knock out uh what was his name uh from that fight oh man i'm forgetting but it's like that it's like watching muhammad ali win a fight um and kong is just like after he he likes he's like when godzilla's dying godzilla kong like sits down next to him and he's just like all right i'll stay with you (laughs) i'll stay i'll stay i'll stay as you die like he he puts his hand on on godzilla's chest as he's breathing like the breathing gets slower and slower and he's like hey kong's almost like i'm sorry i had to do that man yeah it's very obi-wan and maul right yeah yeah i thought that was it was kind of weird but also well like it's one of those weird things where it's like they didn't really have to do it but it's also kind of cute to see it happen so like why not I, i i will admit it was a bit much to see kong close godzilla's eyes yeah, I was like, all right. I was like, that that was all right. Back it up, <laughs> right? Well, I mean, you could sort of headcanon that maybe he did it as a precaution in case, like maybe Godzilla like will shoot like death, like dead laser eyes if his eyelids aren't closed. But that's just headcanon <laughs> for me, I guess. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that was that was um. It was a. I felt like, and I love that scene where all like it mirrors King of the Monsters, where all the Titans come together to see. Like Rodan is the first one there. Oh, now I'm in charge because he's he's basically Starscream in this universe. And like Kong grabs him by the throat and is like, "Nah, bitch," and throws him at his feet and and start. And um, Rodan's like, "All right, you the boss." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and and we also see like some of the people who watch all this on like the news and whatnot. Like some of them are placing were placing bets on like who would win between Godzilla and Kong, and it felt so meta. It was kind of funny. Yeah, and I love that final scene of Kong just pounding his chest, roaring at the as the other Titans like bow to him. And I'm like, huh, it's a brand new monster verse. Like it's like poetry. It rhymes, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a nice end. What do you um there were two after credit scenes. Um yeah, I guess we'll talk about them. Yeah, so in one of them, like in one of them there's like this hint at like a potential crossover with Pacific Rim, I guess. Like they kind of show like one of the suits and it's like, "Oh, is this going to are they going to do something with this?" And it's like uh, I, I don't know. Did did that feel surprising to you? Yeah, seeing like what looks like the them building Gypsy Danger or a prototype for it, I was like, all right, that because uh, again, like you were trying to put Pacific Rim in, like in the rest of the MonsterVerse, so it does look like they are hoping to like set up a crossover somehow. Yeah, like maybe they're going to retcon a lot of of Pacific Rim, <laughs> um, which I'm Go fine come. with. I like Rim. They're gonna call it Atlantic Rim instead. <laughs> no, no. So that was <laughs> one. And then the end credit scene. I was. I. I don't know how to feel about it because I'm like, because I'm like, you're get. You're trying to get off Toho's legendary. What's going on here? They basically have a moment where they cut back to, like this aquarium, and I'm like, are they doing what I think they're doing? 
and they they have this guards whistling singing in the rain i'm like like oh we're doing it and then you see all the fish in there like dying of an oxygen destroyer and i'm like oh good legendary version of destroyer you were probably confused by the uh, by yeah the like that went over my head i figured it was something for like the die hard like kaiju fans i'm guessing yeah so so for those who don't know destroyer was a creature born in the Heisei era, the final Godzilla film in the Heisei era, which is the 80s and 90s, that folk, that was basically the death of Godzilla. And Destroyer was a mutated being from the Oxygen Destroyer that killed okay. the first Godzilla. So I'm like, we don't need Godzilla characters anymore. Rodan's still here. I don't know why. But like, we don't need Godzilla characters anymore. So we're just going to have Kong fight Destroyer now? All right. Like, <laughs> Like, it doesn't feel right without Godzilla here. You know what I mean? We like it feels like we're taking a step, two steps forward, one step or one step forward, two steps back by we kill Godzilla, but we're still going to use his rogues gallery for Kong. I mean, it's kind of like what happened with Iron Man and like the Mandarin not showing up until Shang-Chi, right? Yeah, that's true. But but I I literally had an ugh moment because I was like, we don't. Why do we need destroy it? Godzilla's dead. I mean, I'm not, like, super familiar with the older movies, because um, there are, like, 50 of them or something, but I, I can imagine, like, maybe cloning could happen. Um, but I I'm basically guessing that just simply based on um, those two episodes of The Clone Wars about the Zillow Beast, and, like, they mentioned cloning at the end to do nothing with it in the show. Yeah. But now, yeah. um, now the MonsterVerse is going forward with Kong. And I'm like, that's cool. Um, I guess they just didn't want to do anything with... They just didn't want to have any rights issue thing with Toho. And Toho can now do whatever they want. Which is weird because Toho is more of a... It's not like people... Like a lot of G fans seem to think um, Toho has a lot of power with Godzilla. Here's the fun fact. They don't. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, they're not as big as a studio as they once were. They've diminished greatly over the century, over the few years. Oh, okay. So yeah, I, w I would never have guessed that. So yeah, um, now Toho can make it can I guess start producing Godzilla films again, and they and we can actually have like a Kong verse now. Yeah, I mean, this movie made me love Kong even more. So I'm all for seeing what more they do with him, and like any other connections to other giant monster movies i'll probably still be confused about but i'll be there for the ride i guess um yeah did did toho do shin godzilla like i've heard of that one and how yeah, it's they, like like it looks did, more like the older ones they they did do that one yeah okay i do kind of want to see that one because i've seen like images of it and the aesthetic looks pretty cool yeah all right, so I guess with that, we can go into final thoughts and score out of 10. Um, so what are your final thoughts for Godzilla versus Kong and your score out of 10 and unit of measurement for that score? All right. Um, I loved it. It was definitely like, every, it was a great wait for. It was a great buildup. It, it took some turns I kind of predicted, but at the same time, I loved it. So I love the action. I loved how they explain like the backstories for both Godzilla and Kong and the human characters didn't annoy me. I'm going to give it eight trees down Godzilla's throat out of 10. <laughs> uh, yeah. Nice. Okay. Um, 
So for me, like I've said, kaiju movies aren't like a genre I normally gravitate toward. But that being said, I feel like King of the Monsters and now this one um, have like made me more interested in this series, like with the ideas they've presented. Um, it's still, I still rank this below some of some other movies that I prefer from other genres. Um, but that being said, I, I found this one to be the most entertaining of the four films in this series. Like the pacing didn't feel like as much of a slog for me when I saw this in the theater. So I'm going to give this one seven out of 10 Dr. Peppers. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so uh, thanks again for being on Delayed Replay, uh, Mr. Multiverse. Where can people find your stuff? They can find me on YouTube with Mr. Multiverse. And that's it. Yeah, like you just type Mr. Multiverse in the search engine and you're like right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and as for my plugs, um, you can find me at Steven Schinder on Twitter and Instagram, Steven Schinder Storytelling on Facebook. I have a novel called Lemons Will Like Rain, which is of the fantasy, horror, and comedy genres. More info on that at stephenschinder.com, and you can find it on Amazon. Uh, you can also uh, find me on a Star Trek podcast called Star Trek Culture. That's on the YouTube channel uh, Culture Slate. Uh, we've been rewatching the original series and also talking about Star Trek news and. If you want to email this podcast, uh, Delayed Replay, you can email delayedreplaypodcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think about, I don't know, Godzilla and Kong movies or just about anything. And we might read your thoughts on the show. And um, yeah, so the next few Delayed Replay episodes after this one will be sort of a trio of video game movies. So Next will be Mortal Kombat, and then Uncharted, and then Tomb Raider 2. So look forward to those, dear listeners, and without further delay, have a good day.